Thank you for listening to the Move the Stairs podcast. I'm Diane Mulligan with my colleagues, Sarah Beatty and Jordan Sherman. And you may be wondering, what does Move the Stairs mean? It's our philosophy, how we look at every challenge as an opportunity. When you move the stairs, you take the steps other people might not. Creating customer loyalty, nurturing great relationships with the media, and building a resilient CBD hemp and medical marijuana brand. So over the next 20 minutes or so, we're going to talk with the brightest minds, the savviest business leaders and reporters in the CBD space. You'll learn how brand protection PR can help your CBD business stand head and shoulders above your competitors. And you'll be on your way to making the most of any challenge. That's what we call Move the Stairs. Let's get started. You know, it's going to be another insightful conversation. And today we're joined by Maddie Mead from Hempa Texture to talk about his company. You know, its mission is to create healthy, energy efficient materials that positively impact both people and the planet by capturing carbon dioxide and replenishing farmland. Maddie's going to talk about some of the innovative ways Hempa Texture reaches out to its customers, like hosting the Hemp Builder Summit to build a loyal customer base. Well, and we're also going to talk about how Hempitecture has been featured in, well, I don't know, a little little uh, journal called Forbes, Fast Company, Small Paper, you might have heard of it called the New York Times. Right. And we're going to talk to Maddie about how Hempitecture landed that kind of, oh my gosh, top tier coverage. Yeah, and if you followed our social media at all, we, we've been posting a lot about how hemp and construction, you know, could be something that we see develop here in the United States. So I'm really excited uh, to ask Maddie about how the hemp and construction industry, as well as hepatecture, are preparing for economic uncertainties over the next six months. We call that building a resilient brand. All right. So let's bring Maddie into the studio. Hey, Maddie, how are you today? Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for having me. It's really great to be here. I'm doing wonderful. I'm excited for today's conversation. Well, we can't wait to hear more about it. And I hope that um, some people are, are like watching this podcast uh, on YouTube because is that hemp wool right behind you in the back of your shot? That's exactly right. That's hemp wool insulation behind us. And I have a sneaking suspicion we'll talk a lot more about what hemp wool is, but uh, love having it as my background because it's always a, a conversation starter. Oh my gosh. And by the way, because we all are, are, you know, production people, it really dampens the sound nicely. So <laughs> I, I kind of love that, uh, love that uh, product for, for to let everybody know about it. Not well, just gosh. thermal insulation, but acoustic insulation as well. You know what? I Listen, we're going to talk about that because you can see I've got, you know, uh, acoustic insulation all over my office and I've got this thing around me now. So I think that's a new business venture for you, Maddie. Definitely to get into. Well, thank you for joining us on Move the Stairs today. Diane, let's jump right into building customer loyalty. You know, I would love for Maddie first, if you don't mind, um, Maddie, to tell us a little bit about you, HEPA Texture, how you got started, how you came up with this idea. Sure. Uh, so my name is Maddie Mead. I'm the founder and CEO of Hempitecture. Hempitecture today is quite a different company than it once was when I was pitching it as a dorm room idea as an undergraduate student studying 
architecture and environmental sciences. And kind of the, the uh, short version of the long story, Diane, is that when I was studying architecture, I became aware of this problem. And there's a problem in the built environment that says about 40% of our energy consumption and carbon footprint comes from buildings. So I did a thesis study where I looked at how can we lower that embodied carbon? How can we make buildings more energy efficient? And I was amazed at the potential of utilizing plant-based resources in building material development, building material design. And so Hempitexture today, a little bit different than that dorm room concept, but it originated at my time as an undergraduate student. I love that. I love that. Well, you know, we know one of the biggest challenges for any company is building customer loyalty. And in the case of hemp, even educating customers on the properties and benefits of using hemp um, in building supplies has to present some challenges. So, you know, in our research, we saw that before the pandemic, Hepatexture hosted several years of the Hemp Builders Summit. And Maddie, you spoke at a number of other conferences. So I wanna know, is this still a method of outreach for you that, helps you to meet and educate your customers? Absolutely. So you, you touched on events there, both our own internal event that we host, the Hemp Building Summit. We actually were able to transition to a online platform during the pandemic, which actually turned out to be really successful because we had people tuning in from all over the world. And just this past year, we're actually able to go back to a in-person event. It was so fun to see our friends and people from across the world that we you know from the hemp building industry and all gathered in one place. The Hemp Building Summit is unique in that Hempitexture actually is the organizer of that event, yet we don't you know, call it the Hempitexture Summit. It's not about Hempitexture. It's about creating a platform and community where you know our so-called competitors, if you will, are sharing the stage with us, sharing what they you know, have learned through their projects, what's working for them, what's not working for them, and really making it an idea sharing platform. I think Hempitexture being at the center of that, of course, strengthens our brand and, and people become aware of Hempitexture and sort of the, the modest way in which we're positioning ourselves in that summit or those series of events, uh, I think attracts customers to us because it's not all about Hempitexture, it's about the industry, it's about the community. So that internal event has been absolutely you know, cornerstone to our success. And we'll continue to host those into the future um, because it's such a great learning opportunity for people to gather and learn about something that they may not be that familiar with. On the other hand, those external events that you mentioned, you know, trade shows. Trade shows can be a big part of a business uh, and a big part of your marketing efforts. Hempitexture now is seeking to engage more in those sort of trade show-like events. We actually just attended our first kind of full-scale trade show event uh, just last week with a full team there. It's called the Mass Timber Conference, which more so speaks to sustainable construction methods using lumber. Well, why was a hemp company there? Because we want people to see that it's complementary. You know, we're not using trees to make our product, but we're make, using industrial hemp, a plant-based resource. So events are cornerstone and key to getting awareness and gaining familiarity with your customer base. So I, I think that's fantastic, Maddie, and just how active, you know, you are and your brand is um, in, in promoting, you know, how helpful hemp can be in solving some of these issues um, that we're dealing with right now. Um, how would you say you do that, though, in, in work 
to attain customer loyalty kind of on an everyday basis? Do you have social media campaigns that you run? Um, are you active in the community? You know, how is it that like day to day you're working on getting that brand advocacy out there and in turn um, building some of that loyalty for your brand? Yeah, Jordan, thanks for the great question. It's really interesting. Right now, we are actually, for the first time ever, considering a marketing budget. We've never you know, had the funding to really aggressively market and get ourselves out there. So without a marketing budget and you know, paid opportunities to get yourself out there, how do you get out there? How do people become familiar with your brands? Um, we're generally a pretty young team. And so social media is an innate language of ours. And we've really utilized social media as a tool to get our products, our concepts, and even really the, the feeling of hemptecture out there. And it's like, how do you get a feeling out through videos and, and media? And it's really a, a curated collection of photos and ideas that we try and post. You go to our Instagram, you know, we're really proud of a lot of the photos that we've aggregated from projects and, and things like that. So we've really tried to convey this authentic um, feeling through our social media channels. I would say actually even before we were really utilizing social media to the fullest, I mean, we were doing things like small scale workshops where people would come from across the United States and we'd lead you know, on-site demonstrations so that people could get their hands dirty with the building materials in which we were developing and, and installing. So that was like, you know, before social media, there was this organic grassroots kind of approach that we took to building a community. And I really do think that Hempitecture has developed a community, not just through social media, but uh, through our in-person events, through the Hemp Building Summit. We had a contractor training series where we're actually training contractors who later would become our customers because they got this experience with us. They'd go out into the world, they'd you'd be interfacing with clients, and they'd call us back you know, three months later and say, hey, we have a project that we want to you know, spec your materials on. So it's definitely been a multi-pronged approach. And one of the more recent developments of you know, building our community, and I think hopefully building customer loyalty, um, was our crowdfunding campaign. We just concluded a $4.7 million fundraise hosted on WeFunder. We have nearly 2,000 investors from across the world who have come together to support Hempitecture. Those wow. 2,000 people that have come together and invested either as little as $100 or in some senses uh, invested up to a million and a half dollars, they're all now brand ambassadors of Hempitecture. So that's a really exciting development. You just use that term brand ambassadors, which um, I just think is amazing because what you're talking about is um, a community that you have built that I think is the envy of so many companies. And I think that it is really rooted in your mission. You know, like so many people are attracted to that mission when you were designing your plan in your dorm room, designing this business, um, did you do it thinking about what it was going to mean to your customers? And mm -hmm. did you think about, you know, did you think about customer loyalty and, and building thought leadership or, you know, how, how did this incredibly engaged community that you've developed come about? Wow. That's a, a really great question. And for me, I feel that it began with, product. Mm -hmm. 
you know, we are a mission-based company. That mission, however, has been articulated over the years and clarified and, and become more clear. Whereas I didn't start out on day one, the, the first line of my business plan being a, a public benefit corporation statement. It was this building material has the ability to create healthier homes and take carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere. So by starting with the product that you know was achieving essentially a mission, uh, that was how we were able to really clarify and, and distill down what that mission uh, is. And that mission, it, it you know more or less has stayed the same, but I would say it's changed a little bit over time. In 2018, when my co-founder Tommy Gibbons came on, we were actually high school classmates, we reincorporated or perhaps refounded Hempitecture from an LLC to a public benefit corporation. By going from that LLC formation to the public benefit corporation formation, we had to put forth a statement. And you read part of that statement earlier, and it's uh, our mission is to benefit both people and planet by creating sustainable, high-performing building materials that take carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere. So you know, we have that as the core of everything we do. And I think that the people that touch and feel our products or install them, they don't have to read the public benefit corporation statement to know that that mission driven purpose is there. They're probably coming to us or you know, specking our material because they themselves have some sort of idea of my home should be more sustainable or healthy. And so that's how they're finding our products. So really the mission leads everything for us. I think that's great. And you know, in this day and time, that is so important. And 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 the importance of it has just grown. And so good for you for doing that. And it is evolving, isn't it? How the mission stays the same, but how you get there just continues to to evolve. I love that. You know, at at MNC, Maddie, you may not know this, but we're all former journalists. Um, and that experience helps us prepare um, our clients to take advantage of every media opportunity that comes along the way by positioning clients as industry leaders and experts who can give a great interview, kind of like you, to be perfectly honest with you. Got, these are great. You're giving great answers here. We appreciate it. Um, and we call it insider media relations. Yeah, and I was going to say, you know, to have yourself um, and your company featured in, you know, this tiny little publication called the New York Times um, is pretty cool. And I think that speaks to your ability um, to tap into that. Now, I, I want to highlight uh, another article that you're featured in, in a Forbes article. And Diane, I think you pulled a quote here. Right. But Hepatecture built the first public use building made of hempcrete which is a hemp-based building material that absorbs CO2 emissions and improves insulation. That is a really cool nugget, as we would call that in, uh, in journalism land. So how did you float that out there? You know, how, how did you kind of dangle that, um, you know, little teaser to say, wow, this is a really cool story. You should come talk to us. The, the press that we've gotten has been uh, really spectacular and we continue to get great press and, um, you know, we're always looking for those opportunities. Interestingly, early on, it was a combination of, of happening both organically, but also kind of trying to do outreach. I remember, you know, trying to find authors on LinkedIn and, you know, friend requesting them and, and then like posting about what Hempitecture was doing. You know, the building project that we did uh, in Idaho that actually brought me from my hometown to Idaho, which is where I live today. 
was significant because it was the first commercial hempcrete building in the United States. So that in itself gathered and garnered some press. Um, and so when you know you do a Google search, we kind of first before I get to the Google search, you know, we were incrementally stacking these minor successes of like one building project here, another building project there. And then through SEO and being able to go on Google and type in, you know, hempcrete, hemp building, you know, the combination of these words, we became a source of information for journalists who were actually seeking to write about maybe not our product product or project directly, but perhaps more about the, you know, building material space at large, and they would contact us for, for resources. So I would say that's one element of, you know, just, it may not be landing New York times on the first day. It's not going to happen. It's, that's it's true. Small, Thank you so much for saying that. <laughs> incremental steps and, and successes lead to those larger wins. The Forbes 30 under 30 was particularly interesting because we received some nominations for the, the 30 under 30 award. And we were amazed to have been awarded that. I mean, um, as an entrepreneur throughout the, the better half of my life, I mean, what an exciting accolade. And then once you begin to kind of get some of these opportunities, you go further and further. We were most recently featured in Fast Company um, in an article that was actually about a project in France. But then they kind of zoomed out and took a more global perspective and they said, in the United States, Hepatecture is doing this. So again, it's it's those small incremental steps that lead to the, the bigger press opportunities. Well, and I want to just um, talk about for a tiny moment some of these things that you've mentioned because um, you've really gotten to the heart of insider media relations, which is you can be a source about an issue, right? The issue is building materials and the sustainability of building materials in you know, the, the construction industry. The story is not, look at what an amazing product my particular one singular product is. And that's just a tremendous distinction um, that is really important to wrap your head around because that I think opens the door to really productive media relations. That That is a very uh, great observation, Sarah. And I'm really glad that you brought that up. Uh, yeah, again, it goes back to mission. You know, if you have the mission, if you have the product that can align with the mission, then it begins to speak for itself. Yeah. Well, and so you've got some of this unbelievably top tier, you know, media placements um, how do you keep that going? Do you continually reach out to reporters? And is there an outlet that you're like, ooh, I would love, you know, to to get named or get get name checked in in another uh, media outlet? Hmm. Where are we going to see you next? That's oh, the question. My goodness. I would love to be featured in more, say, building specific magazines. So, you know, the New York Times, the Fast Company, the Forbes, that's, you know, a dream come true and incredible. Um, yet, I would say it's a very diverse audience. Right. And so, you know, leveraging those to go to more targeted audiences, I think would have a, a good return on investment. You know, some of our past building material or building industry placements, one of which was on YouTube with Matt Risinger on The Build Show. 
Um, he actually says at the end of that video, I, this is not a paid video. No money has exchanged hands here. Maddie started following me on Instagram. I followed him back and saw he's doing this really cool work. So leveraging the power of social media to get those placements um, is key. Um, influencers are a new sort of uh, category, if you will, that's outside of the traditional, you know, online or newsprint, but they have really, they have value to you know, getting your products and materials in front of them. Where will you see us next? Um, perhaps on the Build Show again. Um, we're at the really exciting crux of building a manufacturing facility, and we hope to utilize our new manufacturing facility as sort of our next uh, media opportunity, if you will. You know, thinking of the ribbon cutting event or, you know, walking people through the facility and showing them how the equipment and machinery is producing hemp insulation. I think that like these milestone events are great media generating opportunities. Um, and I would love to see those also go to from, you know, the range of like the niche targeted influencer um, to maybe like, I'd love to be on HGTV someday. That would be oh, really, really that'd be great. Okay, you're talking my. That's you. That's me. I'm sorry. The, yeah, and then, I'm thinking, and then, Maddie, what an Architectural Digest be a fabulous, a fabulous get. Architectural Digest would be a really great targeted um, area, and actually, you know, that's interesting. It's like who is your customer as well. Right. Right. That's something. Sometimes you don't get to pick what media you end up in. And, you know, almost all press is good press, maybe some press, not good press, but almost all press is good press. And so, but when you can really overlap that press with your target audience, and one of our critical target uh, audience segments is architects, you know, they're, right. they're the specifiers, they're the decision makers. So Diane, when we get an architectural digest, I'm going to give you a call and say, thanks for the great idea. <laughs> we love that. We love that. I want to know on a scale of one to 10. How important do you think these media interviews have been? And then I want to know why you chose the number. I think that the uh, importance of these placements is probably like a, a seven uh, or an eight. You know, that's pretty high on the importance matrix, but it doesn't make or it doesn't break your company. It can make your company. Right. And I really do think that our media placements have given us a sort of credibility. Yeah. I mean, in fact, if you go on our website, you'll see sort of uh, what's, you know, in kind of marketing speak is like validation. Our validation, which is through these outlets, is placed relatively high on our website. Yes. And why do we do that? Well, in part because, you know, industrial hemp, as you all know, is um, a very broad and encompassing field with lots of different segments. And, you know, unfortunately, in the United States, there's still a stigma attached to it, even though it's federally legal. Well, you know, if there's a doubter or someone who's maybe on the fence that comes to our page and they like, mm, I don't know, and then they see the validation. Well, you know, subconsciously, perhaps there's like, well, you know, they were in the New York Times. So perhaps that is uh, that absolves some of my doubt. So um, I wouldn't place it as necessarily a, a 10 uh, because I don't think it, it breaks your business. I think it's great to have. Um, it's good to have. You want to have it. If you don't have it, though, don't get discouraged. You know, don't say, well, I wasn't featured in this top tier publication and 
So I'm not going to make it because really what it does take is persistence. Um, I've been doing this since I was a college student and gosh, I, in some ways miss those years, but that's a long time of really working towards this. So um, again, I think the theme that's emerging for me out of this conversation is those incremental steps that, that help you get there. Absolutely. I love how you put that. Speaking of incremental steps, next week, we're going to step into another fabulous conversation. It's actually in a couple of weeks um, with Franny Tacy of Franny's Pharmacy. So that's something to look forward to in our next step on the Move the Stairs podcast. But at the moment, we've got to talk about resiliency, Jordan, because that's this other piece of brand protection. Yeah, we're coming down the uh, home stretch here of our conversation with Maddie. But this is such a key component because we know that CBD brands, uh, hemp brands, whether it's uh, industrial hemp or otherwise, and same with medical marijuana business owners, are all constantly looking for ways to strengthen their business. They're looking for ways that they can weather threats to their reputation or bottom line. Maddie, you pointed out just a minute ago, there's still that stigma with hemp out there. Um, one of the things that we like to do is help clients find the opportunity in those challenges to help them polish reputations, prepare for something that's going to be coming down the line, whether it's expected or unexpected, and that's building brand resiliency. So if you had a crystal ball, what do you think is going to be the biggest issue that you face in industrial hemp in the next six months? Mm, in the next six months, gosh, well, um, we're at such a critical crux right now, building our manufacturing facility that um, there's so much that will be unknown, you know, in terms of that, uh, you know, how long will it take? Will all the equipment work upon starting it up? Um, so with myself being very close and involved to that process, I would say that's kind of my, my biggest uh, fear or, or stressor. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that, that's something that that's manageable with and, and kind of internal. When we think about external, and things that are difficult to manage, well, you know, the economy, uh, you know, inflation, things that are market forces that I can't do something to go change or adjust or, or really impact. And so how do you remain resilient as a business? Um, you know, Hepatecture is very much so focused on building materials and it is very core to what we do. And building tends to be very tied to the economy. So new construction starts decrease when the economy is lagging, um, you know, renovations don't happen as much when the economy is lagging. Um, so maybe it's not in six months or so, I hope, but in terms of like long-term resiliency, Hempitecture does have other sort of product offerings that are outside of the, the building materials industry, um, similar to insulation or, or padding more so, but utilizing our technology as a way to, you know, say, lower the embodied carbon of the consumer packaged goods shipping industry. So instead of bubble wrap or styrofoam in cardboard boxes, using a plant-based liner. Um, and so we do have some things like that that we're um, you know, actively working towards. And we believe that that will increase our resiliency over the long term by diversifying outside of just one singular market. I think that's such a a, a valuable way to think about it. Um, This is a little bit left field, but I'm wondering about um, as people are worried about the supply chain, is there something that you're thinking about in terms of, because I know your website talks about 
U.S. grown, U.S. manufactured, U.S. like, you know, these materials are here and we're harnessing U.S. products and ingenuity. I wonder if that's, you know, an opportunity that you could seize to prepare for that, you know, inevitable, because we all know that downturns are inevitable, whether it's six months or a year and a half or whatever it might be. There's never been a better time than right now to transition to U.S. manufactured and and U.S. grown. I mean, international supply chains have never been more stressed. And, you know, it's a result of multiple things, but Mm -hmm. um, resuming, you know, uh, production and and trade after and during the pandemic. And um, so there's so many reasons why logistics, freight, international shipping is really challenging. Even inter North America transport has become really challenging. You know, we tend to move material from the northeasternmost corner of North America to say Los Angeles. That truckload that used to cost $3,500 now costs $7,500. That deeply impacts our bottom line. So there is, in our point of view, there's never been a better time to domesticate the supply chain and work on developing that supply chain. A supply chain doesn't just emerge and then it's up and running. It requires nurturing and and growing. And and, um, it also requires end customers and buyers like us who buy the material that these farmers are are growing, that they send to the processor and the processor processes. It requires that full picture. And that full picture, that, that sort of circle, if you will, really is just completing. When our manufacturing facility is under con- completed after its construction process and producing product, we're essentially the, the last chain in that supply chain link where you know there is the seed the seeds and the genetics, there's the farmers, the emerging processing. There has to be large scale buyers. Yeah. Hepatecture hopes to be that for the supply chain um, because without Hepatecture there, who's who's going to buy millions of pounds of fiber? I'm sure there's other people out there that are, that are thinking about it or already working on it or working in textiles. It's not to discredit those people who are doing that work by any means, but we utilize a very specific kind of um, fiber grade that will really help complete this supply chain. So we're super excited to move away from bringing containers internationally and dealing with all the backup at the ports to really establishing this U.S. grown, U.S. manufactured brand ethos that I think also does contribute to our mission-driven purpose of being more sustainable, more environmentally friendly, and lowering our carbon footprint. I love that. I really love that. I want to ask you a question. When, When you're looking ahead, I mean, you've been doing this for a while now. How often do you think about what challenges you might be facing in the next six months, as well as what opportunities and make a proactive plan for hepatexture? Mm. So the unfortunate reality for myself is that I tend to think about that stuff too often, uh, especially when I'm trying to go to sleep at night and I say, oh my gosh, well, what about this? And what about that? Um, the flip side of that though, and and I guess stressing out about those those potential problems is that every problem is a, also an opportunity. Right. And with every opportunity, there's a potential solution. Um, you know, Hepatecture was founded off the idea of this sort of problem solution paradigm, 
well, what's the problem? You know, environmental impact of our built environment. What's the solution? More sustainable, healthy, energy efficient building materials. So um, we're always kind of strategizing and thinking about what's to come. Uh, but it's interesting because that one year plan, that two year plan, even the five year plan, it shifts, it, it changes. Right. If you had asked me five years ago what we would be doing today, it might have been a different answer than what we are actually doing today. So it is a process of constantly checking in with what problems are you forecasting? Uh, but then perhaps more importantly, what's the opportunity and solution associated with those problems? And that's how you build great brand resiliency. We really believe in that. And, and you know, there are there are many companies who don't look ahead and don't think about both problems and solutions and turning problems into opportunities. So the fact that you're doing that, you're so far ahead of the curb. It's I just applaud you. It's outstanding. Thanks so much. Appreciate that. Well, my goodness, what a fantastic interview today and just an amazing conversation, Maddie Mead of Hempitecture. Hey, would you let people know where they can find more information about your company and your products? Absolutely. The first place to go is hempitecture.com. We also created an e-commerce platform where you can, it's kind of like kayak for flights, but also an estimation tool. So you can enter in your square footage that you're trying to insulate, um, what product you want, put in your address, and it will even connect you with a shipping provider and tell you exactly what that shipping cost is going to be to your door. So wow. that's buy.hempitecture.com. That can also be accessed through our website as well. And then lastly, you can find me on LinkedIn. I would love to be connected with you to see what you're up to and share about what we're working on Hempitecture. On LinkedIn, my name is Maddie, M-A-T-T-I-E, Mead, M-E-A-D. So thanks again, everyone, for the opportunity to be here and hope to connect with all the listeners out there. That was great. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. Yep. Thank you so much. Oh, my gosh, you guys. What a fantastic conversation. And yep. I saw all of us scribbling, scribbling, scribbling notes. So I'm sure mm -hmm. that we've got a bunch to break down here. But I'll tell you what. Um, I just love, as I always do, the focus on creating community. Because I think especially when you've got a new um, product or a, a new entry into a crowded field of products, right? You've got to create something around it that people can really kind of buy into, you know, hook onto. And I that that's what caught my attention in terms of creating customer loyalty, you've, that education of those customers and creating customer community. Uh, it's just an amazing way to do it. Absolutely. Yeah. I loved I loved the incremental steps in getting to yeah. the big media. That was really, I thought that was great. And the fact that Maddie's been reaching out on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and what is he doing? Developing relationships, which we talk about all the time. Um, and that, you know, it's not the New York Times is not going to come calling the first time, although he did have the first of something when with that first building in the US. And that's that's a great hook. I got to say he had a great mm -hmm. hook. for that. <laughs> but the fact that he's done all the legwork and, you know, it's a lot of fortitude. It's a lot of stick to itiveness. It's a lot of making sure that you're on top of it and doing something every week, if not several times a week in this area so that you can build that as part of your integrative PR outreach. 
And what did Christian tell us last week or the last episode on Move the Stairs? LinkedIn is a great place to to reach out and make those relationships, especially when you're talking about massive publications like the Times or CNN in his case. And I'm sure we're going to see him in Architectural Digest. I am sure of it. Believe me. (laughs) (laughs) It's only a matter of time at this point. It is. Absolutely. (laughs) You know, when, when talking about brand resilience, um, one of the things that really stuck out to me is how Maddie talked about how Hempitecture was born from this problem solution paradigm. And he's already thinking ahead of, okay, if this happens, here are my off ramps. Here is how we're going to keep Hempitecture in business if um, we can't do ramps. something like, with building if this materials or on ramps. Sure. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Either or, yeah. you know, going from uh, building materials packing material i i thought that was brilliant insulation to packing material and he was talking about you know sound dampening i mean yeah i just i loved how he thought about i have kids i'm always thinking about sound dampening (laughs) (laughs) can we just get it all around a room please there we go exactly yes you know just put them in the room anyway okay but we digress we want to thank our special guest maddie mead from hepatexture for joining us today on the move the stairs podcast and we want to thank you for listening because without you we wouldn't be here so thanks for taking your time we really do appreciate you tuning in and we hope you're going to join us again for the next episode of the move the stairs podcast Thank you again for listening to the Move the Stairs podcast. You may be wondering where the phrase move the stairs comes from. It's my life's mantra and MNC's commitment to our clients. It's a nod to a defining moment in my television news career. You know, in news, you have to be first with the story, no excuses. And one night I had to get the first TV news interview with a senatorial candidate after he accepted the nomination on stage. I noticed the stairs leading off the stage were taking the candidate directly to my competitors. But what could I do? So I looked around and I noticed the stairs were on wheels. I walked over and bolted the stairs and moved them so the candidate walked off the stage right to my team first. At MNC Communications, our years in the media taught us there's always a way to move the stairs to make the best possible outcome happen for our clients.